What's up, everybody? We are back for another edition of Champagne Room Hoops podcast brought to you by the good folks over at New Amendment. As part of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere to get your podcasts, and also on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten. Also, make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle Beyond the Big Ten. Again, I'm former Illini point guard Sam Maniscalco, joined by Illini legends Brandon Paul at BP3 and Mr. Glue Guy himself, Billy Cole at BuckwildBill33. Thanks for tuning in once again. Billy, Brandon, what's happening? What's going on, fellas? How we uh, doing? How we I doing? do love my I have to say, I get the super swing man, um, the super glue guy. I, uh, I appreciate the creativity there. Yeah, man. Some nice labels. Brandon, what's up with you with the, uh, in Germany lately? Um, we Good had update. a game last night, lost to a team we had no business losing to. Honestly, I'm just going to say it, it was probably one of the worst professional games of my career. You know, I, I feel like I just forgot how to play basketball one night. You know, I had a lot of turnovers, at least six. Um, but we're still in the playoffs. Uh, I think we're seventh in the standings. We, we, we've already solidified our playoff spot in the uh, Euro Cup. We're just basically playing for home court advantage now. So we've got two more games until those playoff uh, settings are set. And we got like, I want to say 10 to 12 left in the German League. Yeah, so things are moving along, man. Bill, you got a new background. Are you in a Dunkin' Donuts bathroom, or what's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, had some technical issues at the office I normally record. I don't know if they put a new firewall in because I was eating too much memory up with this Champagne Hoops uh, podcast, or if uh, I don't know what happened, but I had to scramble, so now I'm actually at my mom's house. I'm, like, locked in her uh, computer closet. I thought for sure you'd bring at least that young King Cole like picture with the ball with you. Like, hold it up over your shoulder. Definitely. Now you feel like me. We we got clear backgrounds now. I look like I'm in a jail cell. <laughs> you sound like it's in there. All right. So last time um, <clears throat> we talked was, was weeks ago. Um, Bill and I, Brandon, we missed you, by the way. Last week, Bill and I did the... Um, <clears throat> the live live pod at over under bar in chicago which was a great turnout so if anybody's watching that was there thanks thanks for coming out it it was cool we had two uh three separate pods right yeah um place was pretty crowded um it was a good time no it looked like it was a good time i definitely had fun yeah so um we talked a little bit about i mean we talked about a lot on that pod but um when, when all three of us were together last um we were heading obviously into the um big 10 tournament talking about teams we did want to play didn't want to play um and then previewing some ncaa stuff so now here we are um season's over uh Mm -hmm. i finished uh i think 23 and 11 um but anyways let's let's get into first um brandon you mentioned you did not want to see penn state i think bill you mentioned that too in the big 10 tournament Mm -hmm. Uh, well we got penn state and um we got beat by them so let's talk just a touch on that game a little bit yeah, it was another situation where, you know, they just came out and outperformed in a lot of different aspects. Didn't want to see them for many reasons, but it's, it was it's like they're kind of like our kryptonite. You know, we just couldn't get over the hump against them. And, you know, they play hard. They're well coached. And, um, yeah, that, that was one matchup I, I didn't want to see, you know, just like we said before. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of put my, my theory to the test, right, of, Let's, uh, you know, I had said a few episodes ago, let's just lose the Big Ten first game because who cares about it? And let's put everything, every ounce of energy we have into the NCAA tournament. And it looks like that has also failed. Um, 
I just think, you know, like the Penn State game, we talked about stopping Pickett, which we did okay with. Uh, but the one thing you can do is let the role players get off and uh, that shooter on the outside. Uh, he killed us, but they're a good team. They won, um, you know, they won a tournament game. We, you know, we have the posterity to look back and, and say, look, that team that beat us three times is a, is a good team. Um, but um, it just never really, it just never really clicked for us at the end. I mean, we've been talking about it all year, which is the roles and the role defining and who does what on the team. And it just seems like we thought we had to figure it out in February. And I think the, the last month has really told us we didn't, we know nothing. And we, we pieced together kind of a ragtag group that's really talented. But at the end of the day, I think all Illini fans are tired of hearing the, the T word at this point because it, it, it just never looked like they had played together ever in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So disappointing, you know, Big Ten tournament. Um, but still, I think there was a little bit sliver of, of hope for Illini fans that, hey, you know, regular season's over, Big Ten tournament's over, <clears throat> we got our, our seed, our selection, we got our matchup. Then we roll into the NCAA tournament as a nine seed, which we pretty much thought the last three to four weeks that we'd be in that eight, nine slot and it was all going to be mm-hmm. dependent upon a matchup. I, I love that as soon as the bracket came out, the committee loves that Kansas, Bill Self, Illini. It. I mean, I know it obviously didn't they work out, it. but they love that, that um Storyline, but anyway, so Illini gets matched up against Arkansas, um, a team that was um, eight and ten in the SEC, uh, super athletic. Uh, line came out. I think Arkansas opened up at minus two and a half. I think it eventually moved. But anyways, a tough matchup um, for Illinois. And like I said, maybe there was a little bit of sliver of hope from Illini fans that hey, listen, postseason's here. This team's going to turn it on. We talked about that switch maybe being flipped a little bit. Um, maybe we hoped that that could happen, but it was very evident from the start that um, in that game that that wasn't going to happen and we were completely outmatched. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to sound like I, I don't even know how to like creatively come up with something for the fans of this podcast because, I mean, what killed us at the end of the day, right? It was turnovers. Coleman Hawkins had six himself. It was the transfers that were supposed to be all-stars and carry us. Uh, Matt Meyer did not have a field goal the whole game. Um, and at the end of the day, like we said, we were built for March, right? We kept saying that. We kept saying that. Even Underwood put those pressures on his own pro- on his own program by saying it. Like he could have very easily controlled the narrative early on and said, look, we lost 88% of our scoring from a year ago. We went to the portal. We dipped in it. We think we got really good players, but we just don't know. Um, but instead, like... We won those early games against UCLA. We won the games against Texas. And then we had this narrative all season that anytime something went wrong, it was like, well, we're built for March. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you know, one or two bad luck things happen, Epps is out and doesn't really play. Now we don't have a ball handler. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other bad luck thing is Arkansas is really, really good. They're in the Sweet yeah. 16 now. They ended up beating yeah. Kansas the second round. So we do have a couple, you know, if you do look back and, we do have a couple bad lucks. We've gotten bad draws in the first and second round the last couple of years. I mean, to play Loyola uh, two years ago, they were really underseated. I felt like um, so it's a lot of bad luck, but it's also I think the program needs to do a better job of controlling the narrative because you know now we've got those uh, Illini fans out there who we we all know on this podcast aren't the most reasonable, and they're you know they're going to start to get the pitchforks on it if if we don't start winning games in March. Yeah, I agree with that. And you talked about it yourself, Bill. Like, honestly, the last three or four podcasts, we want to stay away from 
the eight nine seed because Candace is waiting there. Lo and behold, like we just saw, we get the the nine or eight seed and who's waiting for us, Candace, we gotta get past Arkansas first. Uh, Arkansas has a few guys who are on the NBA radar, you know, definitely some some very, very talented young players just like we have. Uh, but they came to play, man. They came to play. You know, hats off to them. Obviously, they went to the next round, knocked off Kansas. Um, it was tough, man, because I'm looking at it from a player's perspective. You, you put in so much work during the year. You put in so much effort, and then it comes down to two games. And, it's, and now it's all over with. And um, fans fans are going to want explanations. They're going to want, you know, why is this happening? And like you said, unfortunate events happen. Epps goes down. Um and then, and now our offense looks a little bit even more confusing than it, it had before just because there's not that core guy bringing the ball up, handling the ball. Now, they have guys that can handle it. They have guys that can start an offense. But when you're talking about a full game, you're talking about a 40-minute game at such a high level, you really need that, you really need that, uh, that guy to come in and, and kind of control the pace. And since he didn't play for a while – you know, he, he probably wasn't in the in his best rhythm, probably wasn't in his best shape. And these are things that are unfortunate you can't control. But um, I just feel for them, man. I, I know how much – I'm seeing how much work they put in over the years, how much work they put in looking to get into the draft pool or the, the, the transfer portal, portal and all that. And you can't help but to feel for them, you know. I thought the uh, – Bill and I actually watched the game together too the other night. Um, I, I thought the uh, – that was a perfect like microcosm of our season in a nutshell, that game. Um, it was just a little sloppy, slow start, which we've talked about the last six weeks. Um, couldn't get anything going offensively in the first half. Defensively, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, and then, of course, and Bill said this too at halftime, he's like, this is just, this is just like about to be another game where we come back in the second half and make a big comeback and end up losing by four. Um which is basically what happened. So, and I feel like the last six weeks, especially, that's what Illinois has been, or less, at least what they've showed. They've been a little bit dysfunctional, disorganized. Um, don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. Um, just shitty, shitty starts in first halves and not able to find a rhythm. And then in the second half, Underwood either rips them at halftime and they come out like a whole new, different team in the second half. But unfortunately, it, it's bit them because they've had too much of an uphill battle in the second half of these games it was almost like i was thinking like maybe they should just start the game down like 15 to nothing underwood should put a petition in like let's just start the game down 15 nothing maybe our guys will come out and like like they do in the second half but um yeah I, just the whole season right the frustrating thing and i mentioned this uh when we had our, our live pod at, at over under last week as a as a fan and an ex-player um this is probably the most frustrating illinois team that i've watched and followed since my year um the team i was on uh in 2011 12 and brandon you were on that team too now a lot of different things were going on that season with injuries and Mm -hmm. and bruce's job status on the line but another situation where um we were super talented we had an unbelievable start to the season some humongous wins um and then kind of just the wheels fell off the second half of the season and it was a frustrating thing to be a part of obviously and like I said I was hurt so it was even more frustrating but just it gives me a little bit of of vibes of that just because of the and I hate to say this word Bill like you said the the talent and the expectations and the potential this team had what we saw early on right and Bill mentioned the fans the hype meter went way up 
right? Mm-hmm. And Underwood went, you know, built for March, built for March. So it was like, oh man, where who gives a shit what happens in the regular season? Everybody had this mindset like, we're going to the second weekend in March, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, it was just frustrating. We never had an identity. Um, I, I don't think at any point in the season we got on one of these podcasts and talked about a game and said, you know what, this is the team that we've kind of molded into. We're a defensive team. Um, we didn't have that once. We had spurts of some awesome offensive outings from individual you know, players and individual performances throughout the season. Um, had some crazy comeback wins, but nothing of the sort of that we could hang our hat on and say this is the kind of culture and team um, that Illinois was. Um, and, and that was frustrating. I also think, um, I also think the guys kind of cashed it in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say that because I don't want to like throw the players under the bus or anything. And I, maybe cashed it in is not the right term, mm-hmm. but it just seemed like they were exhausted, whether it was mentally, emotionally, yeah. whatever. I just didn't see that, that same vibe or want to or togetherness or collective identity and whatnot that Underwood's been preaching. And you saw, like Bill, you said in February, I didn't see any of that the last three weeks, four weeks, not a lot of cohesion, um, so I don't know if team morale was down or they were sick of Underwood or, or sick of this whole narrative, like Bill said, but just a, a, a kind of a spoiling end to what could have been, I think, a, a one-year little salvage season that Underwood could have put together through the transfer portal. But for whatever reason, reasons we mentioned, it just didn't – it wasn't their year and it didn't turn that out that way for them. Yeah. And now, I mean, love to get your guys' opinions, but now we've got an issue because, I mean, you look at – you look at where the fan base is at now, and then you look at the returning players. He has no choice but to do what he did last year. He's yep. going to have to, you know, I've been on here saying maybe if he controls the narrative and he just stacks four really good recruiting classes like we have here, but you're looking at a starting five next year of basically um, Harris, Epps, Rogers, Melendez, and Danger, which I think if we're all brutally honest here, I don't think that's a Big Ten winning. No caliber roster right so you so you either you either do what i say and you kind of roll back you roll back expectations and you say look we're gonna go out and hit the portal for some young players that are going to be here for a while but we're going to see what happens with this season or you go out and you try and get more terrence shannons and matt myers that, that just culturally fit better so it'll be interesting to see which path he goes because i don't think um, I don't think it's cut and dry what the answer is. And it, it honestly scares me for as good as he's been. And, and maybe we're spoiled um, a little bit as a fan base because I saw a stat where like out of the last three years, the team that naturally made the uh, the field of 64, there was only like, uh, I think it was like eight or nine teams that have done that. And we were one of them, right? So, but I guess if you think about it as a program, it's like, at what point, you know, winning Big Ten championships, and I thought about this with Purdue, right? Like when Purdue lost that horrible game to, to the 16 seed, I thought for Purdue fans, I'm like, do they even care that they just won the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Like, like, do they care? I'm sure that the players do, you know, 20, down, 20 years down the road, like it's going to be a cool thing to look back on. But at the end of the day, we kind of need to reel in expectations or figure out where the next season goes because it could get – if something doesn't happen with the fan mindsets, this could get ugly. Yeah. I think um, I think it's the most important transitional year in the last decade for Illinois basketball. I think it, I really do think it's that important. I think the transfer portal throws a kind of is is 50% of that, um, but I also think 
you know, Underwood. Like, I feel like this season was that, that one year he had at Oklahoma State where he went there and completely flipped them from an under 500 team to a, you know, 20 and 10 team and went to the tournament and then he got the Illinois job from that. I feel like that's what kind of this year was um, for him. But to your point, Bill, um, this is a humongous offseason. I think from my perspective, I don't know what he's going to do in the portal, but if I was him, I'm looking up whoever shot 40% from three and grabbing three of them. Yeah. I don't care how big they are, what they look yeah, like, whatever. Matter what position. Just I think there needs to be on. a premium. There needs to be a premium, and it, it, it shows in the NCAA, but there needs to be a premium on shooting, right? And you guard. have to do that. and Yeah, and guards, right. Guards win, but there needs to be a premium on shooting. you got to have a, a funk from Penn State, right? A guy that is going to shoot 40, 45% from three um, and, and open up some your more experience. Some more experience that too. than that. I also, one thing I want to say, too, is um, don't be surprised if you see some staff changes. Um, hmm. and, and I don't mean that as far as guys actually, like, leaving or whatnot. I mean, I think Chester, obviously, is awesome, and I think he's here to stay. Cause, and I'm not saying the other guys are not, but I do think that a lot of times when this happens, um, you, you see a major staff change as far as, like, a ex-head coach that was successful elsewhere um, comes in and joins a staff. Uh, or somebody with a, a ton of experience comes in and joins a staff. So don't be surprised if they – I would love him to go get – basically go get an offensive coordinator, right? Go get a guy that is solely responsible for running and controlling the offense from from the day he gets there to throughout the entire season. Let Underwood be the CEO. Let him handle the defense. Let him manage the team, everything. Go go get an offensive coordinator, a guru, a guy that is just an X, X is an O savant and then put a roster together for him with all kind of different weapons, whether it's guards, whether it's shooting, whether it's guys that can put the ball on the deck and make plays and see what he does with it. But don't be surprised if you see something with the staff. I mean, you guys both make great points. This will be the biggest offseason, you know, because we live in a world where it's what have you done for me lately? Like, obviously, we know what Underwood has done for the program. We know what he's he's done for the Big Ten him coming in and having the, the best record and having the most guys and all Big Ten team. And, you know, he's put in the work and he's got the respect and he's got my respect, but we still live in the what have you done for me lately world. And lately we haven't gotten past the first round and fans are looking back. I mean, the last time we did that was 2013, right? Like it's been a long time since then. So uh, they're, they're, they're definitely looking for that. Bill, as far as you're starting five next year, you didn't. I don't know if you noticed, but you didn't add Hawkins in there. You think he's out of there? You think he's? You think he's taking that leap? I, I don't know. Did you guys see his post game? I thought it was really telling. Uh, after the tournament, he was like super, super dejected and like very, like yeah. almost brutally honest about. I mean, I, again, Sam, like you said, I don't want to throw the super seniors under the bus, but I don't think he, they liked Underwood. He was like Coleman was I, like. You know what? Uh, we had guys that basically did whatever they wanted all season, and the fans had every right to be angry. It sucked mm. to even – he didn't say it like that, but he was basically like, it sucked to be a part of this offense just because yeah. we were so – like everything was so hard at all times. Yeah. And we turned the ball over. And then he said at the end, which I thought was really mature, he was like, look, that's all on me. Like the, the leaders that have came before me these last couple of years, you know, um, Io and uh, Kofi they, and Trent – you know, they all told me what I needed to do to keep this yeah. group together. And I, and he said, I, I failed. 
So I don't know if he, it, that sounds to me like someone who's maybe thinking about going to the NBA and, and look, I think he probably should if he can, uh, yeah. uh, but I don't know. I, I agree with you because, and, and I don't want Illini fans to come at me for this. I love him in Illini jersey. I would love to see him finish his career graduating, but I'm looking at it from a player's perspective, from a scouting perspective. I don't see another year benefiting him more than him leaving now, where he's fresh in the scout's mind. They didn't have the best finish of the season, but he's obviously shown what he's capable of doing at this level, playing one through five, doing everything on the court from facilitating to talking to rotating to blocking, you know, shooting the ball. His, his shot improved as the year went on, you know. Um, so I don't know if another year would benefit him. Um, I would love to see him make that leap just because I'm a fan of his game and I, and I think he has the, pot- the potential to do that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was it's it's hard it's hard to think about it overall, but it's definitely got to be be some changes. And, and Brandon, to your point of of the Underwood, what have you done for me lately? Uh, comment. I'm going to flip that up and say, for Underwood in Illinois, to be specifically, what have you done for me post Io and Kofi? Hmm. You know, so and he hasn't been out of the first weekend since he's been there. So, like I said, like you said, Brandon. I mean, I have a ton of respect for him. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a really good recruiter. Um, but you know how it is. It's a bottom line business, right? And yeah. if we can feel it now as ex-players and fans about the NCAA tournament struggles the last few years, that's going to be something that's going to hang over next season, the hang over their heads the entire season next season and this offseason. That's all you're going to hear about from the media is, oh, it, it, whether they come out firing at the beginning of the year and they start, they can start 17-0 and next year. No, you know what? Fuck that. They can start 25 and 0 next year and be number one in the country. And I shit you not. I guarantee you the vibe is still like, oh, that's great. But what is he going to do in the tournament? Are we going to lose in the first round again? You know, it's just the reality of it. Um, So that's something he's going to have to manage next year, too, with the media. And like you said, Bill, controlling a narrative, right? How is he going to navigate that? But the first thing, like you guys said, is, is what is he going to do with the portal? Who are who are going to be his core guys that stay? Also, which we haven't mentioned, Who's going to enter the portal? Might be nobody, but every single year there's some surprises. I don't think anybody thought that Andre Curbelo was going to enter the portal last year, right? And it happened overnight. So um, it, it's probably tough as a staff and as a coach at that level, obviously, to navigate this because you really don't know what you have right now. You know, four days after the or three days after the season's over, you really don't know what you have uh, next season besides who you've signed. Um so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he plays this out. Does he keep the core guys? He was very, very high in his post-game presser on RJ Melendez, um, talking about how he had a great game and he can build off that confidence. Um, I thought he played well. I, I don't think that RJ Melendez should be a guy that's your top. If, if RJ Melendez, and this is no knock on him whatsoever, we've talked about him being a great energy glue guy off the bench, but if he's to be counted on as, and I might eat crow, but if he's to be counted as on as one of your top three players going into a season, I don't think that bodes well for what kind of team you've put together. Yeah, and I don't know if, like you said, Sam, if I think there are sneaky players that are maybe looking to transfer, like you said, that we might not even know about. And if I had to put, like if I had to take a, a bet on one or two right now, I would definitely put Melendez in that Same. one. Totally. I'm in I'm 100% agreement with that. Just seeing how sometimes he's coached. And, like, I hate saying this because I've been a player. I'm still a player. Um, but I'm watching. Like, I watch everything. I'm watching everything now. Like, when I'm watching the games, I'm watching body languages. I'm watching 
how guys receive stuff, how if, if, if a player goes to tell another player what to do or what they should do or what they did wrong, I want to see how he's receptive to that. I, wanna, I see all of this, and I didn't like a lot some of the body language towards him from, from other people, but, you know, I think he's, I think he's what, if he stays or if he goes, I, maybe it's just me, I think he goes crazy next year because he had a rough year this year, probably didn't play as much as he would like, probably didn't play as well as he would like. I feel like he go, he's the type of player that he's, his game is very random. Like, it's, it's very random. He doesn't have a particular skill set where you're like, you know, watch out for this kid, you know, because someday he's a streaky shooter. He's athletic as shit, you know, super bouncy. He's got the ability to guard. I think he's going to have a great year uh, his, his following year. But, you know, and, and to go back to what we were talking about earlier as far as how tough this year was, I, I have to give credit to the guys. I have to give credit to the staff, and especially just the players. Think about all the stuff that happens now that we didn't have to deal with, like with all the NIL stuff, all the spot, all the extra stuff that you get into now. For sure. Uh, players leaving the team. That happens every year, players leaving the team. But guys leaving, guys transferring, guys coming in, um, guys getting uh, caffeine, poisoning like what's going on like we're not prepared for any of this so they're they're hearing this stuff and you're just like yo is this real life like what's what's really going on so it's hard to tell how most guys mental was guys getting concussed back to back you know it's there was a lot going on so I do want to say kudos to the guys for finishing the season and and doing what they did I just under I feel like Underwood all year um especially in his like the narrative he made there was a lot of um I don't want to use the word, but a lot of excuse-driven mm. post-game stuff. I mean, it constantly came back to the whole, like, we're a new team. We've got eight or nine new guys. I mean, he was saying this in February and in March, you know. Mm. We're not a finished product, et cetera. Um, I just, I feel, like, I feel like he's a culture guy, right, Underwood. I would like to see him, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see him keep all the freshmen, right? I think, like Bill mentioned throughout the year, that's a foundation that you can build on. Those are the kind of kids and the kind of players that you could create a program identity with, right? Um, it's a foundation that guys that came in as a freshman and got val- invaluable experience as, a, as freshmen, and by the time they're juniors and seniors, they can be some of the best players in the league, right? And you got a foundation built. But... Um, I don't know if he's he, he hasn't established enough of a culture since he's been in Illinois. I, and I or maybe maybe identity is the right word, right? Culture, I mean, he he's a tough guy. You could tell. He coaches, he's in his players' faces and stuff, and they play hard and they guard. But there's really no identity he's created. And some of it is probably because of this transfer portal stuff, right? He really can't build it takes sometimes two, three, four years of the same players in your program to to build that identity and build a culture. But instead of going to get six new transfers in the portal i would rather him and call me crazy i would rather him try to keep the guys that he thinks are part of that could be part of this four or five year culture run for illinois basketball ride them out use them as the foundation and then plug in the pieces as you go but really make a conscious effort to find an identity for illinois basketball and i think some of that comes with potential staff changes like for instance Northwestern again, Illinois pod, and I'm bringing up Northwestern. But to Chris Collins's credit, I mean, he was on the hot seat. Um, he made a major staff change and brought in a guy, Chris Lowry, 
who was from Southern Illinois, was an assistant in Illinois, but just a defensive-minded guy, a guy that is known in the industry, was with Bruce for, for seven, eight years at Kansas State. Um, came, comes in, and he completely changes the identity and culture of their team, and they become the best big, uh, defensive team in the Big Ten. That's what they hang their hat on, right? And I'm not saying he has to do that, but I think he's got to do something, right? He's got to create some kind of identity for this program moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we're, we're saying the same thing here. He's got to, in order to do that, the fans will be okay with it. But yeah. he has to, like you said, the CEO term, like he has to manage the expectations and say, this is our plan. It might get a little shaky next year. We're building from the roots up. I like all of our freshman pieces. We're going to be really good in two to three years, and we might even surprise this year. Yeah. But, bear, but bear with us. We're going to go out and get a young ball handling uh uh, transfer out of the portal because we need that immediately and we're going to go out and get a really young big out of the portal but we're not going to bring in a fifth year senior and two of those out of the portal we're just that's not sustainable success and then the other thing i thought you made a good point on if i'm if i'm going to nitpick because like <clears throat> i love the fact that his identity is we're the toughest team in america and that pays dividends you saw it multiple times throughout the year but and this is a big but is like who are we tactically beating on offense? Because you cannot just put your head down and tough your way to the rim, right? And so, like, for me, that was it. And even on defense, right, I talked about it all season. We don't change up. We didn't uh, – every time we seem to press, good things happen in the game. But we never did it until we were down. We, didn't, we never switched up our defense. And it just was like, I want to see him be more willing to, like, tactically beat a team. Hmm. Right. And I said that at the live pod, but like you look at, you know, the upset, um, Farley Dickinson beating Purdue. They triple Tim teamed Edie. They scrambled and Purdue missed a lot of shots and got tight. It's like you look at a team doing that and it's like the parody is so good. It is so and I'm not like diminishing what he's done lately, but like it is so hard to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Like that's what sticks out to me when I watch it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like. You have got to throw everything, all the tricks out of your bag to win even one game and then go on a run and throw two games. And then eventually, like, yeah, the toughness shines through and starts to seep through and you win games because of that. But I would just like to be more willing to, like, change things up. And like you said, Sam, I think that might we might need a new, like, uh, just a guru in there to, like, hey, you can't do the dribble weave. That's not going to get you a shot every time. Like, let's try something like this. And, it, you, you know, to... And to be fair, maybe everything I just I just said is bullshit because if you can't shoot at the end of the day, you can't win in modern day basketball. Yeah. And and that's not his fault, right? He had a team that shot twenty five percent from three this year. No, but it is his fault that they continue to to play that way and jack up threes as the worst the three point shooting team. Correct. So that is his fault. So I mean, that's the team he put together. Which I get it. If you have to adjust and adapt, like Bruce said, you got you, I mean, you got to adapt. But to your point, Bill, I don't think there was one game this season where we got on or when we were talking about after a win that we said, wow, Underwood won that game with his coaching or he completely outcoached the opponent. That's why we won that game. In fact, we, we said that many times that he actually got noticeably, like that was a game we could have won and he got noticeably outcoached, right? So I, I think it's real. I mean, I haven't followed to, to his defense. I mean, he's uh, it's six years now at Illinois. He's obviously got a, he's won 60, 65% of his games. He's been great, right? Um, but 
This is the first time I think season and I followed from start to finish, which you watch mm-hmm. a little differently, right? We've watched every single game. We've watched post game pressers. Yeah. We've kind of followed the pulse of the team. And being ex players, we can kind of have a little more insight on, on what's going on. And I will say I'm not sold on an, the type of in game coach he is. Like I said at the beginning of the season, I would like him to be more of a CEO type and go get an offensive defensive coordinator and let them handle that and then just be like a he reminds me of Tom Crean Crean was like amazing recruiter I mean obviously he had Dwayne Wade and whatnot but his Indiana years I don't think he was the greatest in-game coach like you could noticeably see in games that he would get out coached um so I'm not saying he's a bad coach so nobody like go crazy here I mean I, I think just he's good about Crean. He, I just, I just think Crean. he's when he was uh, when we beat Indiana, they were number one. He was in the locker room. He was in the locker room like so on Tyler's shot. Yeah, he was just, just people. Tracy looked at him. What you what fuck you doing here, man? <laughs> it was that was I knew about Tom Crean. He was such a psycho. He would clap next to me, and then like you'd be taking the ball to mouth, and he'd like growl at you like. <laughs> yeah, he was a little <laughs> different, man. He would like he would look like he would just be in a different world. Like it'd be it'd be moments in the game. I would like just look at him. We'd be, we'd be shooting yeah, a free throw up and down. The I would sidelines. just glance at him. He would just be like looking. I'm like, bro, what's going on in his head right now? I, I don't know that that comparison. Random Tom Creed tangent, but I think that had to be said. But no, you're right, Sam. Like he's definitely like if you had to put every coach on a spectrum, right? Of like tactician on the right and straight up like Jimmys and Joes over the X's and O's type of guys, like. I'm going to go get the best recruits I can, and they win 90% of the time. Like, he's definitely more on the recruit side. Um, it, is that wrong? No. But when you start losing in March and you're you're trying to build – I think, you know, the other problem is he's like a top 10 highest paid coach in college basketball. Yeah. Uh, so you either need to perform to that level or not. But I don't think – I guess the bottom line to, like, bring all this full circle – I don't think the fans this year that are starting to turn up the hot seat, like, let's be honest, like, if next year goes wicked, like, it's all, this conversation's only going to grow, and this fire is only going right. to grow. And so that's why I think he, I desperately want him to stay and be successful. This is not like, a, oh, he's, we've got major issues, but this is like, you better control the narrative now while you have most of the fan support. Yeah, and he said that. You could tell, I mean, from afar, listen, we're from afar here, but his post-game presser after um, the loss to Arkansas, he said, and it's almost like he's he kind of knows that it's like the fire's not on yet under his seat, but like someone's walking to turn the fire on from the stove on. You know what I mean? They're not quite there yet, you know, but they're, they're going to, that's what they're going to do. They're going to turn on the stove, right? But... Um, he said, you know, I want everybody back. His comment was, I want the, you know, everybody in that locker room back. And if we get everybody back, we're going to be one of the best teams in the country next year. Like, that's total, like, I almost chuckled. And it's not, I'm not, like, calling him out. I mean, I am calling him out, I guess. But, like, like you said, Bill, with that roster, there's no way. So, and to your point about the, the <laughs> transfer portal, I totally agree that if he's going to get fifth-year guys or going to get experienced players – don't go get guys where you have the expectations of them coming into a new culture, new team, and being your number one and number two best player, right? Don't go get guys that you want to come in and score 15 to 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. Use those guys to be your glue guys. Use those guys to be your Bill Coles, right? So Use good. those so guys good. to tie everything together, right? Piece them in. 
elements is like free agents. Don't use those guys to be your foundation and who you're going to hang your hat on every year because look what happened this year, right? Don't go right. find you a B. Paul. Go find you a B. Cole. That's what that's what they need right yeah. now. Shots fired. Wait, first of all, Jimmy's and Joe's X's and O's. What? Yeah, that's the old school saying. Like the, the coaches. Hell, network. does that mean? I've never heard like, that before. Like, look, it's also about like the the players, the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and O's. You can see all you. Ah, okay, okay. you if you got a team of Brandon Pauls, I hear you. you I, know, hear you I hear you. I hear you. A team of. Uh, me, you know, you're gonna win that battle a lot of times. So, matter, <laughs> I got Coach K on my side. But, so I think, yeah, it's just a spectrum, right? Every coach falls yeah. somewhere along the spectrum, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely like toughness and players. And yeah. the problem is, players come in cycles. And he went out and got Matt Meyer, and my, Matt Meyer looked like he could give less than two shits in that NCAA game, right? Second and half of the season, he looked that way. Right. And so that's the issue is that you go out and like Sam said, you have to get glue guys because if you go out and get your best players from the portal and they don't give a shit, now all of a sudden you're in trouble. And and it's not that he didn't give a shit. That's the wrong. That's me being harsh. But he didn't come up four years of Illinois basketball thinking this could be my absolute last game with this culture that I've built in this program. He didn't do the Trent Frazier. You know what I'm saying? So I just think it's different. I think you either have to drop the portal um, or go do use it correctly. Approach the, it differently. Yeah, the way we just used it is is not great. Right. So uh, there's, I feel like there's two different ways. There's a lot of different ways coaches recruit. But if you think about like, do you, some guys probably go get the best players available. Other guys recruit to their culture, their system, a la Bo Ryan. Right. Bo Ryan every year didn't go get the best go for the top 10 players in the country every year. He went and handpicked and recruited guys that he thought would fit his system, his culture. I'm not saying Underwood has to do that, but what he did this past year was the two best players available in the portal were Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matt Meyer. He went and got both of them to his credit. Now it didn't work out. So now what do you do after that? Yeah. Use it as a learning experience, right? I hope so. I think that's the one takeaway, right? We've been a little harsh here, but I think where I would be really uh the opposite where i would be like hey kudos to you if he changes and he goes out and does what we say right where he's like you know what uh forget the portal or i'm gonna go get a big high school class uh i'm gonna go get jay naps 2.0 i'm gonna go get you know the next io straight out of high school or i'm gonna go get a glue guy we need a four we need a big man who's young and i'm gonna go with him but i'm not gonna go get some guy that is trying to hit the NBA and really wants to put up a bunch of stats at Illinois because I don't know, but for me, like culturally and buy-in and when, when shit gets tough in the foxhole and you've only played with someone for seven months and you've got NBA aspirations right after that, it's like you start doing a lot of stuff for you mm-hmm. and not, not what's best for the team, right? You look at those shots Matt Meyer took and even like we've talked about, I think Brandon made up a good point. Like Terrence Shannon wasn't a great shooter, and he fired it up all year. Yeah, like, he sure did. It was almost like he was trying to prove he could do that at the next level. And, and don't totally me was. Who? Yeah, he who great. Aside he great. from Matt Meyer, he might have had the most three point attempts on the team. Yeah, and so I don't know. I just let, let, let let's chalk this one up. Let's give this season just failed experiment, right? Yeah, like, I agree with that. Like it was worth a shot. Like you said, Sam, those are two of the best transfers in the world. He went out and got them, and it just didn't work. But now you have to adjust and you have to change your plan because if we do that again, now we're going to start having issues. But what if think about it like this? I I I I don't disagree with you guys at all. I think you make good points, and I I do agree. But playing devil's advocate, um, 
let's say we have a player who's one of the best out there to get, but he's he's a he's a guy that's going to come in and try to get his work done. Now, do you pass on him to get somebody else and then risk running to him, for example, in the Big Ten tournament against Penn State, a guy who's given us given us forty piece, thirty piece, whatever, or do you get the guy and just say, okay, let's see, let's talk to him first and let him know we're going to let you do your thing, but we also want you to, to lock into what we're trying to do, you know, because you still need those type of guys. Matt Meyer won us a lot of games this year. Terrence Shannon won us a lot of games this year. So I just want to put that on notice as well. Yeah, but the thing is, who, who's the player, right? So if I'm looking mm-hmm. here, um, Matt Meyer averaged 6.9 points per game in his career at Baylor. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't some guy that's transferring that average 19. He was the fifth leading scorer in the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, those guys probably aren't going to be in the portal. Yeah. You know, if a guy's scoring 20 a game at some other school, he's probably either going to the league or he's, he's not leaving that school. Um, but I, Brandon, that's that's a really good point. I, I do think it depends on the player, right? I, I'm sure yeah. they look at it. If, if some big time players become available in the portal, I'm sure they talk about it as a staff and figure out if that's something, you know, they want to go ever, go after, especially knowing what they know now about the experiment, like Bill said, that they just went through. I'm sure they have a totally different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I do think it depends on the player. What did Terrence Shannon... So Terrence Shannon was a little bit more of a... Let's see. Okay, so he averaged 11 points a game at Texas Tech in his career. So he's a little bit more of a... But neither of those guys scream like, this kid's going to be the best player in the country if he comes to Illinois. You know what I mean? So if there is a player available like that, I'm sure everybody's going to want him. Um, no, so, so I, I think you every situation is different and depending on who that player is that's available. Here's the other thing, too. I'd rather it be a guy that has two years left or three years left right? versus a guy that's got one year left. And like Bill said, like it was evident that Taron Shannon and I'm not saying he's listen, I don't know him. And they all seem like great kids. And Matt Meyer seemed like he was a little checked out. He's been playing college basketball for five years. I don't blame him. But Taron Shannon Jr. There definitely was a little bit of that. Like he's trying to go to the league. Right. It seems like like Bill said, he had to come back and prove that he can be a. A, a perimeter player and shoot the ball well to get to that next level. Um, and that took away from the team. And I'm sure it frustrated Underwood too. Um, but my thing would be, if you're going to the portal, go get a sophomore. Go get a kid that's played two years at a mid-major and has got a chance to be a good player and he's going to be with you for two or three years. That's and you the, can build a culture off that. Don't go num- get the one-and-done guys that are 23 years old. To me, that's the number one thing that we said all podcasts. is like, go out and get the best players in the world, but go out and get the best sophomores that are right. transferred. Go out and get the best. Go get the, the go get the freshman at Furman who averaged 15 points a game in SoCon this year. He's hungry, right? And, and it's like because, like you said, like we all just said, we all just bashed on this team because like they never came together, and that's fine. They looked a little checked out, but at the end of the day, like if you take the same exact roster and you give them another year next March, they're they're killers. They're a, they're a two seed. That's it, a it, phenomenal point. If this right. whole team had another year, we'd be talking about this completely different. We'd be like, we his comment of being one of the best teams in the country, if they had another year, the same exact roster, I, I, I believe that. I believe that'd be a, they'd be a preseason top 10 team. And be, they'd be a much better team. Right. Just because of the year under their belt. Yeah, I agree. agree. Brandon doesn't agree, I can tell. Shaking his head. I agree, I agree. <laughs> you guys said it all. I don't, I don't want to belabor the point. You guys said it all. But it is, like we said, it, it's definitely an important year. Um, 
this transition. I, I just I feel like something's going to happen with the staff. I don't think anybody's going to, or maybe not lose their job, but I just think that there's got to be some kind of shakeup because you have to create like some kind of. I would like him to go be a because I think Underwood he has that toughness about him, mm-hmm. and and I think with him and Chester, like no matter who you go get, you 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 could be a pretty tough, hard nosed defensive team if you get the right pieces. But I would just love them to be. Just an off. Try to become an offensive juggernaut, right? Like, go get guys that are skilled, that are triple threats, right? That are high IQ, which we haven't mentioned at all in this pod. The one biggest gripe that we all had this season was shot selection, right? And a lot of the teams we lost to, like like Penn State, take take Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett obviously controls the tempo of a game from start to yeah. finish, and he's an extension of their coach, Michael Shrewsbury. But Penn State, I would say, watching them play, they don't. They usually don't take a bad shot or four shot all game. And that's because they're all high IQ guys, right? They're in their roles. So how many times, I mean, within the, before the first TV timeout, some of these Illinois games we'd watch, I'd be like, they just took six bad shots on eight attempts. Like none of them are good looks, right? Like that's on the coach for sure to nip that in the butt early on in the season. Um, And it's also the, the kind of roster you put together, but I would like to go get some high IQ skilled basketball players and see what he could do with those kind of guys. I think even if Jaden Epps and Cecilia Harris both return, I think you still need a point guard that's going to come in and, like you said, high IQ, control the Phenomenal pace. point. And then you, you can even play uh, the two of them together because you can put Jaden Epps at the two or whatever. At the two, the yeah, because he's got some scoring ability Cecilia for sure. on whoever the, the, the best scorer is. You can have them both in the game at the same time. But you need a point guard that's going to control the pace, that's going to tell somebody, like, yo, we don't need that shot, like, we can get that shot anytime. I could have took that shot last possession. That's going to slow the offense. That's going to look at the coach like, yo, I got this. Like, you know. So I think the point guard position is probably going to be the biggest one to, to fill. Not that's fill, a great but point. they need someone that's going to go in there and help facilitate. Because Cecilia Harris. Someone that's dynamic, player, right? Like but you said, control a game. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm he's excited. a defender. I'm excited. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you guys brought up really good points there, but I think uh, the leap that Ty Rogers is going to take from freshman to sophomore year, yeah. like, that's a big question mark, but it, I feel like it could be one of two things, right? He could take like such a large leap that he's like in NBA projection uh, conversations, just like with his game. We've talked about it all year. He needs to add a jumper, obviously, but man, I think like he could be so good. All these freshmen could be so good. So like that, yeah. I look back to like Brandon's freshman to sophomore year, just like that leap he took. That's such a big difference. When you're a freshman, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, that is just like I don't care like how good of a freshman you are. That sophomore year when you like are you know you're comfortable living away from home and you've got all the you've got you're used to the 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 grind and the schedule. It's like these freshmen if they turn into all Big Ten caliber players next year as opposed to their junior and senior year. I mean you know maybe maybe this is all a moot point. Um, So that's kind of the number one thing I'll be looking for early next season. No, that's a good point because as freshmen, you guys know, like everything's gravy, right? If you produce or or you you help or you're, you know, become, you get minutes, you're a role player, whatever it is, however you contribute, it's all gravy because there's really not a ton of expectations unless you're a, you know, projected top 10 pick and you're a one and done guy. Everything's gravy. So now as a sophomore, like Bill said, you got a year under your belt. You know the expectations, right? You know what's expected of you on a daily basis. You're more comfortable. Um, you're more comfortable using your voice, right? You've been around the program, around the coaches for a year. You've been around your teammates for a year. Um, so that's an excellent point. Sophomore, freshman and sophomore year is a humongous jump as far as being comfortable. Um, at, 
he I'm surprised he didn't mention him in the post versus RJ Melendez as the guy to, to make a big jump. Mm. You know, that's a good yeah. point, Bill. It almost felt like he was recruiting RJ a little bit there. You have to recruit your own players now. That's the messed up thing. Right. And I don't think that process just starts right after that's the tournament either. Think about, yeah. It's all year. You could tell. Yeah, with to, with today's age where you can just, like we said, pull a parachute and get out of any program at any time, like they are recruiting their own players probably ever, every meeting that they have. Like, hey, where's your head at? Um, I just think, like, back in the day, how many players we would have had transfer off some of our weeks. I mean, it would have been, you're talking like 30 to 40% of the roster every year. Yeah. A lot of turnaround. So it's just, a, it's a totally like, I'm almost like, I almost like feel bad for him because I'm like, I don't even know how to compare what he's going through trying to build these rosters to what what I even played in. It's almost two, conce- two completely different rules. It's like a different game. And so that's the thing, though. That's that's what he'll be judged against is the roster he puts together next season. So I just hope he tempers expectations so that he can overachieve them. Because if he starts saying top team in the country, number toughest team in the country, number one team in the country, you're you're not going to expect that. Yeah, you're not giving yourself a lot of latitude. And right now he needs latitude. I think he's a good coach. I think he recruits, but he needs the latitude to like figure out his way in this new era of college basketball. Brandon, um, no, I'm just thinking about. Would the you have been in the right portal? Now. Be honest. <laughs> they asked me. I got asked one year. Like yeah, somebody told me you use trap. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never. I, I always wanted to go to Illinois when I was. I, I was in like eighth grade. I walked in my mom's room. She was watching them on TV. I think they were in the championship game. And I even watched. I, I don't think I ever watched a college game before then. And I was just like, what's, what's this? She's like, oh, it's, it's Illinois. They're, they're a few hours down the road, and they're wearing their orange jerseys. I was like, oh, I want to go there. And after that, I just always want to go to Illinois. It was literally just w- watching them on TV one time. And uh, Wow, I've never heard that story. That's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, they, I, honestly, like, one of, I'm not going to say who, but one of the coaches asked me after one of the seasons, they were like, I heard you're going pro. I said, what? <laughs> Why would I do that? I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then I think the following year, they were like, I heard you're going to transfer. And I don't know if the coaches just do that just to get a gauge of what your mindset is or something, because it's mm-hmm. a little different at the professional level. But yeah, I never really had any. I, I never thought about leaving Illinois or going or leaving early or anything like that. I, I loved it there too much. So, one player, not specific, like name, but if if like Brandon, you kind of already said it. If they got one thing, they got to do for next year, the type of player what's your guy's choice? I'm going to say PG because Jaden Epps is, he's, he's, he's the man and I, and I really love his game and he needs to stay. And um, I'm not even saying like, I think he's starting park guard next year, of course, but you need someone that's going to come in and, and help because, and I think sincere Harris is going to take a leap as well. He's going to work on some stuff in his game, make him more of a, uh, a problem, like, because otherwise everyone's just going to go under on him. They're going to help, and yeah, he's, right. he's a defender right now, you know? Um, but we need someone that's going to be able to facilitate an offense where, where they're not – their first option isn't what how many points they can put in the basket, you know? They're, they're just trying to facilitate and make sure everyone else is happy on the floor. That's so important to a, to, to a team. I think that would probably be my answer as well, but I, I do think we need we need to figure out what's going on with our front court. Um, like a young, like for me, when Danger went out this year, we almost had to go small 
we just don't have a huge like depth on our front court, whether that's a, a four or a five. Mm-hmm. I think you go out and like we said, not to belabor the point, but I think we go out and we get a really young, either a backup center to danger or we get a, a, a really skilled like power forward type for me. Like that forward type was missing all season. I know we tried to go small and put put Coleman Hawkins at the five, but it just seemed like I don't know. You, you got to be able to uh, you got to be able to have some versatility in that power forward position, and we just we really didn't. We went with four guards and one in the whole the whole season. So, but who's I don't who's know. I put that on my bench? wish list. What's who's that? The, who's who's the footer off the bench? What's his name again? He just slipped my mind. Oh, Brandon Lee. Lee, Brandon Lee. I think he's good, man. I think from the he is got he very limited minutes. No, he's there. He's I think he's there. Um, I think he's a scholarship oh, player. I always thought he was a walker. I could be is he? I don't even know, but I think I thought he was pretty solid. Like he just does his job. He just goes out there, and those are the type of, of players that go in. And like he played in Minnesota, and he just does his job: rebound, screen, roll, block, and he did it at a high level. And if you can give, if he gets ten minutes, twelve minutes next year. I think he's going to be a big, big uh, help. But I don't, I don't know even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I really I don't. don't. <laughs> I'm not lying. I have no idea who you're talking about. He's like um, a cross between uh, Tyler Griffin. He's on and Illinois Mike team. Yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> oh, I really, I honestly didn't I have no idea who you're talking about, <laughs> he, bro. He he never played. I don't know why he never played, especially when Danger was in foul trouble. But he never played. Yeah, no, I mean, can they get a like can, that shortened roster? Can they get a coach, an assistant coach in the portal? <laughs> and I'm not knocking this staff. I love shout out to, like I said, shout out to Chester. Chester's the best, and I think he's going to be. Hopefully, maybe one day be the head coach at all. He That'd will. Be awesome. Um, he will. But uh, I just like I said, the, the whole thing for me is shooting. Right, Brandon talked about the dynamic point guard. <clears throat> get some shooters. If we had three guys on the roster this year that shoot 40 percent from three, I guarantee you, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s statistical season would have been totally different as far as his efficiency goes right mm-hmm. you need guys that can shoot um so sh- go try to grab two or three grab four, whatever you need to grab make sure they can shoot the basketball and then just some high iq guys right um that ties into to brandon's point guard part but the biggest thing for me is go get an offensive genius go get somebody that is literally like go get the tex winter of college basketball in 2023 right who, 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 who started that? the triangle right I don't know who that Shout out is. to Tex Winter. Phil Jackson got Tex Winter, Kobe, Jordan, all those guys, the triangle offense. Like, I'm not saying they're going to get a guy like that, but somebody that is just going to change Underwood's offensive mindset and put these players in unbelievable positions to be successful and efficient on the offensive end of the floor. And I think that really makes a difference. So, to recap, um, frustrating year. Um, We'll see what happens and unfolds. We're going to be back with some more pods. So although the season's over um, in recapping games and stuff, um, we're going to be back talking about, you know, obviously some breaking news and stuff that happens um, with the transfer portal and whatnot. And then once this roster starts to take a little bit more shape and spring workouts start, um, we can get into some fun um, some fun word on campus topics and stuff throughout the offseason um, to talk about. But it's been an awesome year doing this with you two. Um, both of you guys, thanks for carving out the time uh, to do this stuff. But uh, it's been a, a, a fun season to talk about these guys. Um, I didn't think that we're going to be knocking Underwood this much, to be honest. At this point in the season, I thought we'd be talking about the second weekend. If you would have asked us in December or January, we'd be 
planning a pod for who we're playing in the Sweet 16. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, that didn't happen. But let's see uh, see what next year brings for Illini. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of coaches out there getting knocked, even Matt Painter this week. So, um, you know what? I got faith. I got faith that he's going to – He's this was the year he needed to switch some things up and realize that his roster building with the portal didn't work this year. So I'm, I'm not – I'm not one bit into the hot seat. I just think he needs to manage expectations better. And like you said, Sam, this has been fun to watch this team with a little, little closer lens just from doing this podcast. So thanks for hosting. And it's, it's been real fun. And I'm sure we'll see all you guys next year. I had a blast, man. I got a chance to, to follow Illinois, like you said, Sam, all the way through. You know, especially being out here, it's, it's usually bits and pieces of my travel schedule with the time difference. And I had a little bit added motivation being able to chop it up with you guys shout out to everybody you know shout out to Evan Turner for getting all this together and um next year I think Underwear comes back with a vengeance and I'm seeing him in the Sweet 16 we'll go from there that's my that's my hot take damn you're starting already with the predictions that's my hot take I know we have a before (laughs) clip that but before we head out I know Brandon you and I were on when we were doing, uh, I think it was like November when we first started, we were doing like, you know, just to get some reps in and stuff. Yeah. It, and we talked about prediction of records mm-hmm. this season. And I think I was pretty close, but I'm not sure. We'll have to see if they even recorded that and clipped that. But close. what do we finish? 23 and 11? Yeah, yeah you I were like, yo, about... we're going to be 18 and 2 in the Big Ten. No, and, come on. Uh, I was like, I was like five or six games off. I was like, what, I was like bro? Five or six. <laughs> How about last week when I told you you were both dumb and Purdue was going to go to the Final Four? Yeah, you said that on the live pod, right? I because we picked the coach and you guys said Painter. That was the live pod. Thank God. And I was like, dude, I don't. I just don't. I don't know. I'm not a big Purdue guy. Although I did see uh, Painter posted to his Instagram that he had him winning the national championship. Yeah, Purdue. His his whole bracket is jammed up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fellas. All right. Thanks for joining Champagne Room Hoopers podcast. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.